Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joan Yeves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuiper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. So, um, Sherry, how hey. you doing? Good, Joe. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Um, I recently read uh, a graphic novel called Last Sons of America. Is a pretty amazing story. Um, it's pretty out there um, for people who are not used to stories like this. It's about uh, an event happens in the United States that make it, Americans are basically sterile. They, they can't have children anymore. They refer to it as a code pink event. And um, I, was, I was amazed by the artwork. I was amazed by the writing. The story is impressive and uh, really thought-provoking, which is really something you don't always get from comic books. Sometimes comic books are just fantastic for the artwork and stuff. But, uh, well, Joe, ironically, I too have read <laughs> The Last Sons of America. And I have to tell you, I've never read a graphic novel until this one. And it's not because I have anything against them or anything like that. I'm just not cool enough. And <laughs> this one uh, came across our desks, and I'm sure we read it for the same reason. And that's because um, one of the, well, the writer of it is also a soldier and is part of the U.S. Army Field Band, and we get to talk to him today, uh, which I'm really excited about. But I have to say, Joe, I was so blown away by how awesome this was because my husband kept trying to bug me, and I said, leave me alone. I'm trying to read this graphic <laughs> novel here. And uh, when he asked me, he's like, well, what's it about? And I was telling him, and I was really able to get into the story of what it was about. And he's like, you got all that from a comic book. I yeah. said, First of all, it's a graphic novel, uh, but yes. <laughs> and um, I have to say to anybody who's never read a graphic novel before, pick one up and pick this one up um, at some point because the the pictures and the language and it just really came to life in such a unique way of storytelling, which yeah. I personally just never exposed myself to before. So probably, I know that... That was something you weren't expecting from a comic book either. You know, yeah. Right? I, I really didn't know what to expect. And yeah. um, I'm really excited for everybody here on Team Mean to uh, hear our interview today because I think they're going to be blown away um, by this, not only this work, but also by the person behind it as well. So, yeah. So today we have Sergeant First Class Philip Kennedy Johnson, who who is honestly a rock star because he's not just... Uh, Literally, because he's he, in a band. Exactly. Like, he's exactly. in a band. He's, he's in a band. He's in the band that's for right. the Army. <laughs> so so that's, that's something. And, and before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to the Army Field Band for creating our intro music. Uh, we use it through... All, we're using it for all of our episodes. Yes. We're going to use it thank for you. Thank the foreseeable you. future. And if we ever get different music, it will come from the Army Field Band. They've yes. been awesome enough to do that for us. So now they're also joining us on the show, which That's is right. really amazing. Uh, Philip, it's great to have you here. Oh man, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honor. It's honor. It's an honor for us to have you on the show because I mean, uh, it, it's not often we get to highlight somebody who's both a professional and a creative, for lack of a better word, genius. I mean, the the, uh, the work is really good. <laughs> well, well, it's not every day you. we get to come to work and uh, talk to folks who created a graphic novel. Yeah. Because yeah. it's really cool. And well, it's, not, it's not often in the army you get to highlight that kind of talent. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it's unusual. Yeah, to, exactly. To have, have this kind of gig on the side. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, 
I, I would like to know personally, and, and I'm sure the rest of the, the, the viewers out there would like to hear. So, so what age did you start playing music? Oh, man, I, well, my, um, I had a grandfather who played very seriously. He played in college and all that, and <clears throat> he had to give it up before he wanted to. He ended up having to go back home, and his life took a different turn, but he still played his whole life. And so when I was born, he, he gave me all his old gear. And uh, he got sick around that same time and couldn't really play that much anymore. So he he taught me how to play, taught me how to read music. So when I was like four or five, he taught me how to play the cornet, which is like a smaller, slightly different version of a trumpet. And um, yeah, he taught me how to play. And I it was just a toy for me really until I got to you know like high school and I started taking it more seriously. But I've been playing my my whole life pretty much. Wow. Okay. So you you play the cornet. I play trumpet now trumpet. Prim- primarily. We do okay. we do have cornets that we play sometimes in the band, but very okay. rarely these days. Like for a while it was more common. But we the trumpet section plays primarily trumpets now. Okay. Yeah, trumpet's pretty amazing. I mean, it's pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome job. How long have you been with the field band? I've been here about 14 and a half years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 14. So tell me a little bit what that's like because I think when people think soldier they have a certain image, and it's, you know, with with the rifle and, and you know, the combat boots and everything. And here you are, 14 years, you've been with the field band. So mm. what is it like being a soldier but getting to use your musical talent to connect uh, with the American people? Oh, it's, it's the best job. I mean, I, I'm very grateful for it, and it's a way that I can put to use the skills I worked on, you know, my whole life and through college and all that, and then still do it in service of our country. It's, it's the best thing. And the, the, um, the way the band's program works, well, especially if you're in one of the, um, the bands in the DC area, the, the special bands that they're called, um, they, um, there's a specific opening for a specific job. And then they, they advertise that opening and you, you know, you send in a recording of yourself and then they, you know, someone is sometimes accepted and then you go through basic training and you enlist and you do all that. Um, and then when we come to the job, if it's such a specialized job that we do that rather than transfer from unit to unit, uh, we, we keep that job for potentially the duration of our careers because it's such a specialized thing that we do. And I think that's really important to put out there too, because I grew up playing music as well. Mm-hmm. I'm probably a little on the older side to be going to basic training these days. But for even young people out there who are thinking of a military career and mm-hmm. opportunities in the military, it's very unique that you can apply essentially for this job of mm-hmm. being a musician and literally do it for the entire career, which is not traditionally what you hear when you hear of people of military service. So I think it's really interesting to point out that if you're out there and you're a musician or a singer, mm. uh, you could potentially have an entire career in the army and doing that thing. And, and you travel the world, right? Yeah. I mean, there's the army offers so many, there's over 150 jobs that the army offers. And this is the one that, you know, I'm, I am well suited to, but there's so many others. I have a brother, actually the way I got into comics um, was through my younger brother, who's an illustrator. He's a, he's always been a very talented artist and wanted to do comics professionally but didn't really know how to get started. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd already been in the army by that time. And I, um, he knew that I had this very specialized gig, but I told him that there's also this job called multimedia illustrator that you can do mm-hmm. for the army Yeah, that yeah. they train for at Fort Meade where I work. That's right. Like if you, if that's something that you're interested in doing, you know, he wasn't really ready for, I mean, he, he talked about art school, but needed to get his grades up. And, um, so he, for a while he lived with me and we, <clears throat> we kind of, 
just checked out the the comics industry together, kind of educated ourselves on how how comics are made. You know how what scripts look like, how the how the how the process comes together, what kind of software you need to be able to use to be a competitive comic artist and all that. And um, and we got him in the army. He did six years and as a, as an illustrator, and now he's using the GI Bill to go to art school. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Fantastic. So and now I mean, and with the yeah, with the goal being eventually of us still doing books together. You know, like that's I you know the first comics I wrote was for him to draw. That's fantastic. And, and then went on to work with other people, and now I'm kind of kind of doing my own thing. But the, the idea is still to work with my brother. That is awesome. Well, yeah. I look forward to that project for sure. Thanks. Yeah. Well, let's get into the to the comics. So, yeah. the one book that we're uh, especially talking about today is the Last Sons of America. And Joe talked a little bit already about what it's about and the premise of it. But before we get into the, the book itself, so why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you, how you got to this point? What made you decide, I'm going to put together a graphic novel? Well, I'd, I'd kind of gotten the bug from working with my brother, from doing some short stories that we had done. I just really liked the creative process. I've, I found it to be just very much like small group jazz, where it's a, a small group of, of creative pros working together on one thing and if if one person is changed out it completely changes the whole thing you know like in a in a jazz combo if you're if the piano player changes or if you're playing with a guitar instead of piano or sax instead of trumpet or even just a different person on that instrument the everything changes in the group you know and i found that same thing to be true of comics um i just really love the collaboration of it and i just kind of grew this passion for it you know um Around maybe 2010, I guess, is when I started really, really doing this. Um, I wasn't published back then, but I was just, you know, I was pursuing it. I was doing it in my own on my own time, going to conventions and meeting artists and other writers and, you know, fans. At the same time, I was also doing a lot of anti-human trafficking work in Baltimore, with a group called the Samaritan Women. That was also when the the big earthquake ha- uh, happened in Haiti, uh, that led to this big humanitarian crisis. It was this huge disaster. And um, I heard on the radio about this, uh, a group of missionaries who went down there to, to rescue, ostensibly to rescue orphans, p- kids who had been orphaned by this tragedy, and to get them adopted, you know, someplace better. Uh, but they ended up taking a lot of kids who still had families. Um, they, whether or not they were just taken or whether they just couldn't find their families because of lack of infrastructure, I don't know, but it was, it was a huge mess. Um, this big international scandal and it kind of led me to see another side of human trafficking and kind of I did a lot of research about the, the for-profit adoption industry and how it worked and the problems with it the, the different gray areas of it um, and this these different ideas kind of percolated in my mind and sort of just imagined a world in which Americans couldn't have kids anymore and when human trafficking became the way in which American families were made where kids become like money and that's where the you know the seeds for Last Sons of America came together. Yeah, I I have to say, like, because it's a very morally gray story, which which I I can appreciate in the context of what the story is about. Mm. Like, it makes you wonder what the world would become in light of something like that happening. Right. Which is, I mean, obviously, and you just explained, you know, how you got into the mindset for, for a story like this, everything you had seen and and learned mm. in your experiences, but to to be able to take that, turn it around, and turn it into a what if story like that is really is really impressive. Um, I wanted to ask because you talked about collaborating with your brother mm. and everything. 
Um, is is that the was that the premise of uh, Jackie and Julian, the the two characters from from your story, like their brotherly that brotherly dynamic? It, yeah, it, like it doesn't necessarily have to be necessary for your story, but I feel like it's pivotal. Like it, you made it the central theme of of the story. You you made their dynamic so important. Yeah, totally. It's I mean the the big picture of the story is about you know, the log line, like, what if Americans couldn't have kids anymore? Yeah. But it, at, at the core of it, it's about two brothers. Yeah. And, yeah, it was very much colored by my relationship with my own brother. Now, it's not, we're not like those two. Of course. Those two guys. Like, it's, both of them are very clearly broken in different ways, and they, together they kind of make up one person. But my brother and I are, why we are extremely different um, in some ways, we're also very, very similar in others. And, yeah, I, I, it definitely, like, the relationship with my brother and I definitely went a long way towards forming the relationship between Jackie and Julian. Yeah. And the dynamic is compelling. It's what makes you kind of uh, feel for the characters throughout the story. Yeah. That, like that. The, I mean, the, the subject material is so dark, but I try to, I didn't want it to be as dark as it could have been, you know? I, yeah. Uh, um, so I kind of kept it a little more light with the, the banter between the brothers and the way they mess with each other and the yeah. way they, the way they kind of poke and prod each other. And like they, they talk like brothers do, you know? Yeah, yeah and that definitely. Was, that was and I love that because it is so dark. But there were definitely comments that were made that really got me chuckling throughout this. And you could definitely tell that they were brothers who are very different. And uh, when you read the book, you will see that they're also very visually different as mm-hmm. well. And um, I appreciated some of that that humor and also just kind of poking fun at their own differences throughout it, which I think I do I think as humans, we all do yeah. in some ways. But I mean, you, you think of sibling rivalry and how, how siblings are with each other as it is, but then you have the dynamic of one being uh, formatively different than, than the other brother. Yeah, for, for those who haven't read the book, so Jackie is um, he's the tall, good-looking one, physically capable, um, you know, kind of a tough guy. It's kind of fun to be around. Um, but he doesn't have as much of a moral center, and he's not as smart, maybe. And the other brother, Julian, is much physically smaller and um, somewhat handicapped. He's not able to take care of himself quite as well as, uh, as his brother. So he relies on, on uh, Jackie in some ways to, to help him get around, but Julian is the one who speaks the language in, in Nicaragua where they're living, and he's, he's the one who has things figured out all the time, and he's also the one with the, the conscience, really. And, yeah. You know, they, they both he kind of... He feels like more of the moral center. Of yeah, the, of the he's really the, the big brother in the way. Yeah. Um, but it... Um, as the story goes on and they get separated, they kind of take on qualities of the other brother and they kind of become more whole yeah. af- as they're separated and they come back together stronger, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I like what you said, too. He knows the language of the country they're in. So they're in Nicaragua for this um, this book. And I loved the incorporation of the Spanish language in the book. Oh, thanks. I thought that was really great. It was unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes we get a little ethnocentric and we, we forget to do things like that. So I was... Pleasantly surprised. I was also very disappointed in how how much uh, Spanish from high school, four years, <laughs> I do not remember. Um, but with that, even still, I was still able to follow the story. And even though I didn't necessarily know every single word that was written in Spanish, it still added a value to the story, which I thought was really incredible. Thanks. And it's something you don't see in a lot. You don't see that in a traditional book. Yeah. Right. You, you just don't. So I thought that was super cool and a really great way to include a whole nother um, aspect of our, our culture and community as well. well thank you so yeah. much. I really appreciate you guys reading it. Yeah, no, it was it was worth the read. 
Um, for anybody interested out there, uh, Last Sons of America is a very interesting read. It's very good. Uh, if you're into comics, I mean, it's hard to argue that you'd be interested in it. Um, if you're not into comic books, it's still, it's like reading a short story in picture form. If you're not into comic books, just ignore that part of your brain and read it anyway, because that's what I did. And I couldn't believe how quickly I read through this. I was yeah. just, I actually had an event to go to last night. And the only reason I didn't take the book with me and read it in the car is because it was dark out. Mm. And I didn't think I could hold my flashlight up to read it the whole time. Um, I wasn't driving. My husband was driving. Um, no judgments. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I mean, you know, I do not encourage reading comic books and driving um, at the same time. But yeah, it's, it's really great. So I have to say the illustration one is amazing. But your character, uh, Julian, mm-hmm. he has a striking resemblance to a rather famous person that I think most people listening would know. It's true. It is. What do you think, Joe? Uh, I mean, it's the first thing I thought when I saw the character in the book. So we call this foreshadowing, right? Because we're talking about Peter Dinklage. And uh, for those of you, you're probably most familiar with him in his recent endeavors on uh, Game of Thrones. But, Joe, I've heard rumors that a certain Peter Dinklage uh, may be participating in an adaptation of this book. So... Why don't you tell us about that, Philip? Okay. Well, at some point, Peter Dinklage read this book. I don't know how he got a hold of it, but um, he's also good friends with Matt Reeves, who is a very famous director and producer. He directed the recent Planet of the Apes film films. Oh, wow. Um, and is directing the upcoming Batman film. Um, so Matt Reeves and Peter Dinklage got a hold of this book, and, of course, Dinklage sees himself in it. I got to ask you real quick. Yeah. How does that feel knowing that these two totally famous people are sitting somewhere, probably in California, reading your graphic novel? I mean, it's awesome. Like, I, I, what, I'm huge, I'm huge fans of theirs. What was your reaction when you found that out? Like, well, I'm, I'm huge fans of theirs, so it was yeah. hugely flattering that somehow they got a hold of this book. Now, I don't know if they, if they picked it up like, what is this? It's my face. <laughs> like, or, or if it was like, wow, this is really good. I don't, I don't know what the reaction was. But... Nobody's been sued, and uh, now <laughs> the uh, film adaptation is underway, and Dinklage is in it, so I'm going to take it as a win. That's and amazing. it's going to be on Netflix. Yeah, so that's far, so far, that's the word. Yeah, so it's when it's the way these things happen is like first something gets gets optioned. Yeah, and then they take some time and try to develop it and all that, and then at the end of that, when it all shakes out, either they greenlight it and make it, or they pass on it, and then it gets shopped someplace else. So we don't know how it's going. But even if that were to happen, even if it were to get shopped elsewhere, um, my understanding is that Dinklage and Reeves and the director, Josh Mond, who's also adapting the screenplay, those, they're all still attached. So it will happen either Netflix or somewhere else, and we'll just see, see how it goes. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah, we, but really excited. Yeah, we look forward to seeing it. I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of vibes with other m- movies that I've seen that I kind of felt like if you've seen Children of Men. Oh, God, I love that movie. Yeah, it's a, fanta- it's a fantastically yeah. well done uh, film. It's got mm. Clive Owen in it. Um, good movie. Yeah. But that vibe of desperation, mm-hmm. like the, the undertones of that in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the book, in your book, mm-hmm. is, is noticeable. Like it's there. Like it's, it's, hard, it's hard not to compare them in some regards, although sure. your story is a very uniquely different thing, which I love that it's different. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I'm I'm looking forward to what that's going to look like on the big screen. Oh, thank you. You know, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be fantastic, and I think I, I would love to have you back on this show, to to hear your 
reaction so to it. that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, like, pick it so apart. That's good. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you watch it and then you say, "Oh, I loved it," or "Oh, they got this wrong," or you know, just to to know what your creative child became. Sure. You know what I mean? Like that would be great to have. Oh man, I'd love that. Yeah, yeah. and it's. I mean, anytime your work is getting adapted by someplace, somebody else, like there's going to be big changes. But I mean, it's not just. The screenwriter's vision that that matters. There's also the the needs of the the actors, like what mm-hmm. what kind of role they want to be in. You know, like uh, you know, I like this role, but what if we made the character more like this? <clears throat> you know, there's all these different factors. Like making a movie, there's like un- an unthinkable number of of variables. So it could very well turn out. I mean, I've read the the versions of the screenplay up to where we're at now, and it takes a lot from the book, which is awesome. But there's also big changes. Of course. Um, yeah. That's just how it goes. And actually, I, there was more of the original work there than, than I expected, and I'm very happy wow. how it's going. But, but yeah, the director, Josh Mond, he's a you know, super talented dude. And he directed another movie called James White that I think is still on Netflix now. Um, he's kind of making the jump from just indie films into more big-budget things, and yeah. this, is, this is part of his transition. So. That's fantastic. How much... Um, so you said that you've read the screenplay and things. Mm-hmm. Did they consult you at all? Um, get your opinion, ask you like, hey, if we went in this direction, what would this character do in your eyes? Do you get yeah. any kind of input? Yeah, they've, they've been great. Like they, I mean, legally they don't have to necessarily ask right. me, but they've been really cool at reaching out like, hey, here's the next draft. What do you think of this? Yeah. And I'll give my feedback and and we, we jam on it a little bit. Maybe Peter Dinklage was like, you know what people, how people reacted to Game of Thrones <laughs> when it totally went off script from the books. Maybe we should ask this guy what his yeah. his thoughts are moving forward to keep it like truer to what the character. I don't know anything is. about that. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I was going to say not. in that in that case though it's a little bit more murky because the ending of that story isn't written. Right. We have the entirety of this story right, right here in our hands. So but so I guess my we'll point is screen adaptations are always going to be <laughs> different. Always. And always. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be some extensions of things. And it's good to know that they are being cool about it and asking you your thoughts and perspective yeah. versus saying, well, I don't have to ask him. I'm just going to right. rewrite yeah. the ending and totally no, mess it up. It's been, it, they've been great. Like I, That's they don't have to do what I say or whatever, but they, but they want to know my opinion, which has been yeah. really nice. That's fantastic. I know it's not always that way. So I've been grateful. Yeah, and so, and I think the the biggest the biggest surprise to uh, a lot of people out there is going to be that they don't realize the kind of talent we have in the military serving our nation, not just in their day to day professional aspect of being a soldier, but that they can also be this creative mind and have these things that they do on the outside. How has that been while while serving? How how has that been for you? Like how how has that process worked out for you so far? Well, I can I can vouch for that too. Like I, I work with a lot of amazingly talented people at work, and not just on their instruments. Like there's people who do other things outside that they're incredibly successful at, just unthinkably talented at. But primarily, I work with them, you know, in music, and it's just such a joy all the time. What's it been like doing this? The army's been extremely supportive, actually. Like it's. Um, there, there have been opportunities to come along that, you know, I've, yeah, I don't, I don't know what more to say. Like, they've been really great. Like, sometimes they've, uh, there was a public affairs group that came out and shot a video that they use as a, as a GoArmy.com commercial. They've, I've done other interviews for, you know, <clears throat> Army publications, and yeah. it seems like the Army community seems interested in, in, yeah. in the books, you know, and the fact that a soldier is doing something on the outside, and it's, it's been 
really great. Yeah, and then, and see, and that's what I mean. You you you've served fourteen years mm-hmm. so far, and then on top of that, you so while you're doing you know this thing that most people think is your whole life, because mm-hmm. it it is, it's a large portion of your life dedicated to the U.S. military. Yeah, but you can still have this other side of you at the same time. So that that's going to surprise a lot of people who don't know a lot about the military. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I mean it's it's a passion of mine. And a lot of people I know in the military have their own passions mm-hmm. and pursue them, you know, when they're off the clock, they do other things. Yeah. Well, I guess you're never yeah. off the clock really, but Right. right. Um but yeah, it's you make time for the things you love, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, just like in our day jobs here. Yeah. You know, we do go home and do other things. Mm-hmm. And I was actually just uh in the car with one of my coworkers today. And we were talking about now that both of our children are off in college, what are we doing with their time? And I was like, well, I just joined a bagpipe band. And he just looked at me like, what? <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, I, you know, I've played music my whole life and mm-hmm. I played the drums and, and that's what I do. And I know Joe's got lots of things that he does outside. So mm-hmm. I think this has just been um, a great thing. And I'm going to put your PAO on the spot because the field band PAO is in the room. He doesn't have a mic, so he won't be forced to talk. But I'm just saying, Joe, I feel like when this comes out on Netflix, there needs to be some sort of watch party or something here on the fort so we can all watch this together and then we can watch Philip here cringe in certain scenes and be victorious <laughs> oh, in other scenes when sure. they get it right. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh. That yeah. would be amazing. That would be amazing. Let's do it. Yeah. You seem very humble about this, Philip. I have to tell everybody who who can't see Philip as I'm sitting here staring at him across the table. <laughs> He's very humble about this, and um, I think I think that's a gr- one a great quality to have um, anyway. Um, because I know we're we're be, we'll not be humble for you. This is oh. yeah. totally amazing, <laughs> and uh, it's it's really exciting work. And we know that all of our service members have cool talents and do awesome things for sure. Um, Outside of, you know, being the soldier every day. Uh, and this is just one of them. And if you're one of those people, you definitely need to connect with Joe or I because we want to talk to you as well. Um, but, yeah, this is uh, this is pretty amazing work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie because I'm a, I'm a big comic book person. Yes, like, he I've, is. Oh, my gosh. I, I still collect comics. I take my girls to the comic book shop every weekend. Oh, that's awesome. Where do you go? Uh, we have Beyond Comics in Frederick. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, another shot. That's so great. I go there all the time. One of the guys who works in the comic book shop is also um, an aide at, at my daughter's school. Mm. So it's great because not not only is it are they familiar faces at the comic book shop, mm-hmm. but they're familiar faces at the school. So my girls have this association of good people mm-hmm. with comic books now. Oh, good. Which is a fantastic way to grow up, I think. Totally. So, so, and, and so being this big comic book fan, mm-hmm. like it's great to see our people creating comics because I think a big core part of your audience is going to be active duty military. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of the stories that I've told deal with my military service in some way or you know experiences that I've had. I yeah, I really hope that's true. Like I've 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 uh, been connected with with a lot of other military people online and. It seems like they they dig seeing another soldier doing stuff. So yeah, hope that yeah. continues. Yeah. So I have to say, I've gotten schooled a lot on graphic novels in mm-hmm. the past 24 hours. I'm going to be doing a lot of that schooling. <laughs> yes. And well, it's come from Joe so far. And the one thing I learned was that a graphic novel is a series of comics put together. Mm-hmm. Potentially. So Sometimes they come out all in one big volume. Yes. Right. So I'm very disappointed because mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be more Last Sons of America coming out. Oh Well, there is a sequel that is in my brain and it's partly on my computer. 
Wonderful. Well, so. please get it out of your brain and fully <laughs> yeah. into another graphic novel. But if that, it, if that, it gets, once it gets greenlit, it's definitely, we're doing it for sure. Like, I'll, right. I'll say that. Well, yeah. well, good. I'm very excited because I got hooked on this. Mm. So now I was like, I want to read what's next. And Joe's like, Sherry, that was it. I was like, what? What do you mean I need more. <laughs> yeah. uh, so do you have any other, um, maybe not Last Sons of America, but do you mm. have any other projects in the works, anything else uh, coming up that you're working on? I do. Uh, well, I've got other books that are out that there you now. About? Yeah, I've got other books. The book that I did after Last Sons of America is Warlords of Appalachia. And that one I'm very proud of, too, that um, Warlords of Appalachia takes place after the second American Civil War. And Kentucky's become an occupied nation within U.S. borders. And uh, follows this mechanic and former National Guardsman who accidentally sparks a rebellion and becomes the first feudal warlord of the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> that sounds, that <laughs> sounds right. fantastic. Well, I know what I'm reading next then. <laughs> oh, thanks. So. I'm like, proud of that one, too. Yeah, and, and, um, and that sounds like a, a story I could see as uh, given the, uh, a show treatment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Made into a series of... Uh, uh, you know, twelve episodes for a season one or something like that. Yeah, we'll see. And and, and appearing on one of the various different you know streaming services out there. Yeah, exactly. That's no pressure, Philip. No pressure. We have yeah. high hopes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe and, and Sherry have and, and, and learned a lot from this. <laughs> and I think when Last Sons of of America airs, mm-hmm. I think the the feedback from that I think is going to kind of propel you into having to make more stories. So I'm so done. be prepared. It's it's going to happen. I'm ready. Yeah. I, we did um, also at Boom Studios, we did um, a sequel. I co-wrote a sequel to The Dark Crystal, the original film. Oh, oh cool. Um, gosh, what else? You're I've speaking my language. That's now. right. Some, doing some DC <laughs> and Marvel work lately. I've got an Aquaman annual that's out there. I've got some actually upcoming things I can't talk about yet because it hasn't been announced. Yeah. But, oh, nice. Um, I'm writing Marvel Zombies right now, which is coming out in April. Really? And I read those Marvel Zombies. Yeah, yeah, the one that came out last October. Uh, yeah, I yeah. wrote that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's we're super happy sitting, with it. I have it sitting in my uh, in my house right now, probably in one of my boxes. Joe's going to go back and go through all of his comics and look. Yeah, the I and totally would have brought that with me today. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm, hey, I work <laughs> across the street. That's, yes, yes. That's yeah, bring fantastic. it over. I, I write the Last God for DC Comics. It's an epic fantasy horror book that's ongoing. Um. That's going to be 12 issues, I believe, and we're about, like, number four, I think, just hit this week. And um, starting, I believe, in May, I'm writing a series for Captain America for Marvel. That's, that's awesome. really stoked for, because it's, like, one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Captain America. Yeah, He's of course. He's been like, for such a long time, too. Yeah, being an active duty soldier, writing yeah. Cap, especially when my day job is to, you know, connect America with its army and, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah tell everyone what their soldiers are doing all around the world and honoring our veterans and all that, having an opportunity to, to write Captain America is like yeah. a dream come true. Yeah. As a veteran too, like, like I'm, I'm retired military, uh, army. Oh, know? that's awesome. And, and Captain America has always been like that guy, yeah, you know? know, like to, to think about America used to write <clears throat> about him like around, you know, the world war two era mm-hmm. and use him kind of like as not, not propaganda, but like, you know, like, cause that's essentially what he was. To yeah. the truth. Was American sure. propaganda yeah. Yeah. for like, for morale. Right. Yeah. And it's just amazing to have that character be around for so long. Mm. And I mean, when they did that run where they uh, killed him in the comics, mm-hmm. 
that was such a big deal because it was, was like a big you, deal. You can't yeah, get rid of Captain America. Well, and of course just, he came back. Comics are just the illusion of change. Like right. you're, they're never going to kill Cap. They're never going to kill Wolverine or Batman. Like yeah. they they will for a hot second and then they'll and bring then him they'll back. bring him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, I'm not gonna. Lie. I'm gonna look forward to that Captain America run. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. Thank to that. you, man. You're gonna have to let us know when that comes. Yeah, out. yeah it's coming out in May. I think it's a tie-in to the big Empire event that Marvel is doing. Okay. There's a, there's a tie-in called Empire Captain America, and I'm doing that. It's a three-issue series. Fantastic, fantastic. So, Philip, it's been fantastic having oh, you. Oh man, the show. it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, and um, and if thanks for giving me a comic book habit now. Oh yeah, I'm like of course, all these my down. pleasure. So yes, thank you for that. <laughs> She's gonna have to budget for comics now. <laughs> it's it's... Automatically out of my pay for comics. <laughs> nice, I like it. Yeah, yeah. But I did. I did want to ask you. So I know we we got to. We've been talking about your your comic books mm-hmm. and. Um, but music has been such a huge part of your life, and you've mm-hmm. been playing some version of the trumpet since you were four. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do the math, but it's been a long time, right? <laughs> it has. Um, and as, as somebody who plays music herself, I often think, what other instru- if you could play any other instrument and be awesome at it, what would you want to play other than trumpet? Piano. Piano? Yeah, yeah nice for sure. Choice. Good choice. Yeah, I, I did piano too when I was also very young, and I, a part of me... Which is I just stuck with that. Although I still love playing the trumpet, and I, I whenever I teach, I'm, I teach my son piano now. And I was oh. like, oh, I used to be better, you know. And I wish I, I wish I could still do both at a high level, you know. Yeah. Um, but it is still fun to to plink around on it, and I still play enough to compose. Like I still I write my own music, and I, wow. I I play piano for that, and I play piano to teach my son how to play. And sometimes I'll play a little jazz on it, yeah. and it's still super rewarding. I just, I just love playing piano. Something tells me you're rusty is some people's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Not so much. I, mean, I couldn't play a single, a single note of music, but I'm sure, you know, Joe, yeah, what fantastic. would you play? If you could play any musical instrument out there, what would you play? Ooh. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd say the guitar. Okay. But only because I like, like, classic rock. And yeah. And it's always, they've always seemed so cool shredding on the stage, you know, just right, right. hair whipping around, being all crazy, you know. <laughs> Joe, you don't have any hair to whip around. I don't now. <laughs> a long time ago in a land far, far away, before I joined the military, I had very long hair. And now I refuse to go back. But I think, I think our uh, listeners would love to see that throwback pic oh, on God, uh, Facebook. No. I'm just saying. So oh, no. That's ne- awful. It needs to happen. I'm, I'm calling the wife, asking her for that picture. <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I play. I play you? the drums. Um, I played the drums forever. My mom actually taught me how to play. Um, but I originally wanted to play the saxophone, and I always oh, wish wow. I could play that. That's right. Our yes, PIO yes. Saxophone, the the, yeah. the, uh, the uh, public affairs officer here in the room is a saxophone player for the U.S. Army Field Band. In fifth grade, I remember distinctly. Um, they came around and they're like getting kids geared up to play music, and I wanted to play the saxophone. Well, my Dad and stepmom said, you can play your sister's clarinet. And no offense to clarinet players out there, but I was not having that. <laughs> so I played nothing, and then my mom taught me how to play the drums, and it's true what they say. It's not that hard, and <laughs> <laughs> the high school band let me in, and there we go. And I, and I still play today, and even though I am definitely not at the caliber of a field band professional, music stays with you, and you know, you, yeah, I'll be playing is... till the day I can't anymore, as I'm sure that Sergeant great, Johnson I love that. the PAO will be as well. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'd say music plays such a pivotal role 
in in military history too. I mean, going back to the fife and drum players yeah, on absolutely. the front lines, you know, it's it's amazing what it's evolved into, and the fact that we can have uh, a series of professionals who do that, and they get asked to go all over the country, all over the world to perform, is so cool. You My know, life might have turned out duty. very differently when I was in high school if mm. I knew I could play in a band. Right. You know, the Marine Corps tried to recruit me, but then I was like, I'm not going to Marine Corps boot camp just yeah. to play the drums. If only it's you knew terrified what you know me. now. I know. Right? It, was a, it was a very stupid comment for me to make. Um, <laughs> I should have definitely rethought that. But since I was just thinking, since you have obviously such a connection to music, mm-hmm. are you going to have any uh, say in the score for your show on Netflix? I don't know. I mean, I Josh knows that I compose. I actually wrote a, a song that basically goes with this. Um, and cool. I would happily write more, but I don't know. I mean, my, when it gets to that level of conversations with like producers and things, they're yeah. probably gonna be like, Oh, that's adorable. We'll get somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we have a guy. Like I can't imagine I'll get, to, I mean, cause people say they do music and don't really. So I, I get, I doubt it'll get taken seriously, but I would love to. That would be cool. It would be cool. I write music for a lot of my books actually. Um, like Warlords of Appalachia that I mentioned, there's, I wrote an original like mountain tune at the beginning of each oh. chapter. And the sheet music is in the book, and we recorded one as a trailer for the book. And The Last God, my DC book now, there's music in every issue, and there's sheet music in the back of those issues, too. And we recorded a lot of those online with my with my friends. That is amazing. That's fantastic. And so. I bet there's people out there who are graphic novel fans who have no idea that you're this world-class musician in a world-class band. Oh, well, you're you're way too kind with all that, but... Um, but there is sheet music in the back of the books. That is awesome. I'm definitely buying those now. Yeah. Definitely yeah. buying those now. Well, now that I know about them, I'm definitely buying them. <laughs> like, yeah, look them up on YouTube. There's, yeah. um, there's trailers for, for both of those books, and you can hear some of the music. That's fantastic. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Well, not first, but pretty... <laughs> you, you heard it from the source. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, Philip, we, we really appreciate having you on the show. Awesome. Um, it's really it's my pleasure. And anytime you want to stop by again, come on by. Let us know. We'll we'll have some uh, some comics for you to sign. Awesome. Yeah, there's <laughs> lots of cool things coming out. I can't talk about it yet, but we'll, I'll be back soon, and we can we can jam. Let on us those. know when yeah. you can. When you can talk about it, we'll have you back on here. Awesome, man. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks for being with us, folks. Uh, remember, you can find the podcast on uh, iTunes uh, shortly. You'll find it on our Facebook and Instagram and uh, Twitter. Thanks for being here. Thank you.